3: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Curzon Film podcast. In this episode, we interrupt your regular programming because the London Film Festival has interrupted our regular programming and we demand to know why. How you ask? By talking to the festival's programmers. We'll be speaking to Michael Blythe and Kate Taylor from the London Film Festival programming team later on the show to tell us all about what's on at this year's festival. I am joined by an absolutely capital contributor in Kelly Powell. Hello. While I, Sam Howlett, I'm just a mere audio outskirt. So before we hear from the London Film Festival programmers, Kelly, mm. what are you looking forward to seeing at this year's LFF?
4: So one of the films that I'm most looking forward to is Noah Baumbach's new film, Marriage Story. Yes. Uh, starring Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it just looks like a story that's right up my alley. Um, I love Bergman's scenes from a marriage, and I feel like this is sort of harkens back to that a little bit.
3: Yeah, so this is about Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson are a married couple, they have a child, and this film charts their divorce Mm. and
4: and it includes two lawyers yeah uh played by Laura Dern and is it Ray Liotta yes Ray Liotta Laura Dern
3: So a good cast
4: a good really good cast um and he's just got a knack for finding humanity in what could otherwise otherwise be seen as maybe mm. a banal story he's dealt with
3: divorce before hasn't he
4: yes he has yeah quite publicly the whale. Well. yes huh <laughs> He's uh, gone yeah. through his own divorce, has, and yeah. Squid and the Whale, yes, deals with that from the, the kid's perspective. Yeah. yeah, And uh, so, yeah, so very much looking forward to that one. Um, and another one that I'm really looking forward to, which has had controversial reviews so far, but just makes me want to see it all the more, <laughs> is Jojo Rabbit, mm. uh, because I think, in my opinion, Taika YTT can do no wrong, mm-hmm. uh, aka Taika Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> as he was formerly known as
3: yeah this looks really interesting yeah um so it's been described as wes anderson with nazis or like Moomra's kingdom but of the hitler youth yeah exactly and i think depending on what you think of that sentence is where you're going to fall with this film i've heard it's very silly mm-hmm. it's like very broadly comedic and it does that with nazis
4: I'm in for it. <laughs> I'm, I'm there. I'm so, uh, he, he, his humour is totally yeah. my humour. So I'm, very, I'm excited to see what he does with that story.
3: Well, the reaction it got at the uh, Toronto Film Festival was mixed, I think it's fair to say. Some mm-hmm. people loved it, some people ha- really did not like it. And yet it went on to win the People's Choice Award, which last year went to Green Book, which won Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Other films that have won the People's Choice Award are Three Billboards, La La Land. So mm. it's a good telltale sign of... Perhaps a divisive film. Yeah. But also one that's going to, you know, it's going to be a big player at upcoming awards season.
4: Yeah. So
3: yeah. I look forward to seeing what the sort of wider reaction is to that.
4: Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and one of the smaller ones that I'm looking forward to uh, very much is The Last Black Man in San Francisco. hmm uh yeah i think this might be going under some people's radars but from what i've heard i've got friends in in america and they've seen it they said it's it's exquisite it's mm. really really good film um and i'm i really hope i can i can catch that one at l this year
3: yeah definitely looks really interesting and that made a big splash in america released by 24 always do really good work yeah and uh our regular contributor jake could not be here today but he wanted to make sure uh we plugged some of the films he's looking forward to at this year's LFF. And one of those is The Report, starring Adam Driver, which uh, we've both been lucky enough to see already. Yeah. And we can tell you it's pretty great. It's really good. It's. Very much this kind of all-the-presidents-men vibe, I think. and
4: uh, We're getting a lot of drive at LFF this year. Quite exciting.
3: Yeah, very exciting. Adam Driver's going to have a huge presence as well as Scott Johansson. Mm-hmm. Both yeah, of your yeah. films star Scott True, Johansson yeah. she's in Jojo Rabbit. True. So another one that Jake's uh, wanted us to mention that he's really looking forward to is a short film by Peter Strickland, who uh, did In Fabric that recently came out this year, and we did a whole podcast series with Peter Strickland. He's got a short film called uh, Geo 4, Mm. Which has been described as two men, one locker room, and lots of D. That's how it's described <laughs> in the LFF brochure. Great. That's how I'll describe it now. And that's a proper short, like three minutes, but apparently it's intense. Okay. And then just a couple from me uh, I'm really looking forward to Knives Out, the Ryan Johnson film, his first film since The Last Jedi. And it looks like a big ensemble murder mystery comedy with Chris Evans, Tony Collette, Don Johnson, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Christopher Plummer. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does with that. I'm looking forward to Color Out of Space, Mm. which is this really weird sounding sci-fi film with Nick Cage, uh, which is based on a H.P. Lovecraft book about a comet with a color on it that no one's ever seen before that makes people go mad. Wow! And I really want to see how they represent a color that no one's seen before that doesn't exist in a film. yeah. Um, is nick
4: cage just choosing all wacky projects yes, that are ever. really good yeah <laughs> i love it yeah
3: i think that's his thing bandy
4: last year was one of my favorites that was lfs I, last year, yeah wasn't it? exactly yeah. yeah
3: yeah uh and then finally i want to do a quick shout out to by the grace of god which is the new francois ozon film which premiered at berlin last year and got rave reviews uh that is essentially the french spotlight mm. so it's about uh, child abuse in the catholic church Uh, It's based on a true story, a case that's still ongoing in France, and this was very much from the point of view of the victims rather than the investigators, and it's a real sort of emotional but really engaging uh, journey.
4: Well, it's it's uh, the the victims are the ones that are doing the investigation, yeah, aren't they? Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's, mm. it's a it's it is a, it's a long film, but it's it's done really well. It keeps you captivated mm. all the way through, and he's got a very interesting um, narrative device of how he brings you through the story. Mm. Um, and so, I definitely think it's one to catch.
3: Definitely. Uh, so LFF unlike a lot of film festivals is open to the public Um, so if you do want to go and see any of the films we mention or want to have a look at the full program yourself you can do so if you go on the BFI's uh, London Film Festival website so it's time now to hand over to some of the people that make LFF happen every year that is Kate Taylor and Michael Blythe hi guys hi yeah Hi. Uh, Thanks for being here. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. Um, So before we get into our chat, do you want to just tell us a bit about what you guys do for the festival and the kind of specificities of a LFF programmer?
2: Sure. Okay. Uh, So I'm Kate. I'm the senior programmer for the festival. And um, basically it's our, our job year round to be Constantly researching uh, what films are going to be uh, ready for us, so we do that by going to lots of film festivals mm-hmm. and seeing films there, having lots of meetings with distributors and sales agents and the people who have made the films, um, and then uh, yeah, looking at submissions. So we start viewing films in January and then we close the program in August. Mm -hmm. And each of us has different um, uh, specialities, but we're also, we're a small team, so we end up uh, looking at everything. So for example, I lead on the East Asian selection, Mm -hmm. but whenever one film is um, uh, liked by one of the programmers, it always gets a second view, and then we take the two notes and have a conversation Mm -hmm. um, uh, with it around the team.
0: And I'm Michael, Um, I work with Kate in the programme team, Um, I'm also the senior programmer for BFI Flare London LGBTQ Plus Film Festival, so very much interested in the kind of queer representation that we have in the London Film Festival. Um, I also program the cult strand Mm -hmm. in the London Film Festival so specializing in kind of horror science fiction fantasy work Um, yeah like Kate said we work with a huge number of, uh, of additional programmers external programmers who specialize in certain regions of filmmaking or styles genres things like that so it's very much a collaborative process so while as Kate said, we're a, a small core team. We have lots of different voices yeah. factoring into the program that we end up with. Oh, great!
3: And we're a few weeks off from the festival now. How are you guys feeling about you know your, your, the past twelve months you know, accumulating in the next couple of weeks?
2: It's it's very exciting. Um, yeah. yeah, it's like we also uh, we have to keep everything secret, so <laughs> we spend a lot of time you know not talking to friends or family about all this exciting stuff we've got under our hats. So it's always when we announce the program mm. it's like this this moment of relief and release and suddenly everyone else can start talking about the films and getting excited about the films that we've been you know brimming with excitement mm. about um for that time so uh yeah it's just like bring it on.
0: Yeah, and it's such an exciting time for us at the moment because we're just preparing for the festival and thinking about the filmmakers who are going to be here, the Q&As that we're going to mm. host, all that kind of stuff. So it's it's kind of re-engaging with the films almost. Yeah. You know, you spend so much time in the months coming up to it talking about the films and thinking about the films. And and then you you have this moment now when you can stop and you can stand back and you can look at the programme and you can think about all the things that you want to do
3: during. Yeah, great. Okay, so let's get into the festival then this year. So opening film is... Um the personal history of David Copperfield. Uh, can you tell us why that's the opening film and how that kind of sort of sets the tone for the festival in a way, how that kicks things off thematically, I guess.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's great for us to be um, opening the festival with, with a British film, yep. really exciting for us. And Armando Anici, who directed the film, is obviously a name familiar to many. And I think with this, he's taken uh, a Dickens story and done something really interesting with it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a Dickens scholar, so he knows right. a lot about Dickens and he's really passionate. But he's really made something fresh and contemporary and new. And I think something that says a lot to, to new audiences. So I think it's a great opening because you've got a classic story, but told in a fresh and interesting mm-hmm. way. Great.
2: Dev Patel, comic timing, and yeah. sense of mimicry his, gives such a beautiful performance. It's really uh, a lot of fun.
3: Great. And then skipping over then to the end of the festival. So your closing film this year is The Irishman, which is going to have the, the, uh, is it the UK premiere? The uh, European, international premiere. International premiere, mm-hmm. incredible, of the new Scorsese film. Uh, can you tell us about that and how that will wrap things up?
2: Well, in 1980, mm-hmm. uh, Scorsese closed the festival with *Raging Bull*. Yeah. So it's nice to um, to welcome him back. Um, yeah. I mean, this is a film that's been a long time in the making. Obviously, yeah. an astonishing cast with Robert De Niro and Al Pacino and Joe Pesci. Um, but it's uh, it's a film in a genre that, to some extent, Scorsese helped to, de- to define. Yeah. Um, and it tells the story of uh, the disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa. And, um, yeah, it's. I think it's going to be, um, yeah, a really thrilling film for, um, you know, for, for cinephiles. And, um, yeah, it's just, it, it's a real coup to have it for the mm. festival. We're, we're really excited about it.
3: Right. So between those two films, then, uh, there's a lot for us to get through. Do you want to start by telling us about what are the films that are going to be the big crowd pleasers, do you think? What are the films that... People are going to have a lot of hype around, have a lot of expectation for, and the ones that everyone's going to be talking about.
0: Yeah, well, there's uh, Knives Out, which is our American Express uh, gala, which is yep. the new film from Ryan Johnson, who made Looper, who made Star Wars, The Last Jedi. And I think people that are familiar with, with Ryan Johnson's work knows how he does really interesting things with genre. Yep. You know, he takes quite familiar genres, but really kind of upends them and does mm-hmm. something different and new with them. And, and with Knives Out, he's done something like that with the kind of whodunit mystery genre. Um, very fun, very interesting, very exciting, and I think really original, inventive filmmaking. Yeah.
2: I would say A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood is one that is going to surprise a lot of people. It's uh, Mariel Heller, who's kind Mm -hmm. of three for three now with uh, Diary of a Teenage Girl and Can You Ever Forgive Me, which we had last year. Um, And it's the story of um, Mr. Rogers, who is a TV presenter in um, America. But you really don't need to know very much about him. There was a great documentary about him last year, but you can go in uh, totally blind. And he's played by Tom Hanks. And his show was very much about helping children uh, deal with their feelings. Yep. And I was—I just caught a press screening of this in Toronto, mm. and it's very much uh, Tom looking at you uh, as if you're the only man <laughs> or woman in the, in the room and basically saying to your inner child, it's okay, you're all right, just as you turned <laughs> out. And you know what? Your father was probably, yeah. probably proud of you. And this whole room was just weeping in yeah. unison. All these hardened film critics and distributors were just losing themselves. Um <laughs> and it's a really uh deftly imagined film yeah. that um plays with the the actual format of the TV show yeah. so it's very formally exciting as well. It's not a kind of straight up biopic. Okay. Um and I think that one's going to yeah, really surprise people.
0: Yeah, I think one of the great things about doing the job that, that we get to do is obviously you see a lot of films, but you see a lot of films that you might not necessarily choose to watch. And for yeah. me, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood is one of those films that I perhaps wouldn't have sought out to see sure. if I was a, a, an audience member just buying tickets for the LFF. And honestly, it's one of my favourite films of the year. It is, really? like Kate said, it's really beautiful. Brilliant. I was an absolute sobbing mess by the end of it. So, uh, you know, I think it's um, definitely kind of testament to this idea of like, going to see things that you wouldn't necessarily normally sure, go and see yeah. you know i think london film festival and the amount of work that we have and the breadth of films that we show i think it's very much a time for audiences to take risks and step outside of their comfort zone yeah
3: so well that's a film that i'm really interested to see how a british crowd reacts to because it's mm-hmm. such a mr rogers such an american institution that never really made it over here but uh, as you say i guess it's sort of a universal thing going on there
2: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
0: Yeah, another uh, another film that is uh, definitely going to excite audiences is Jojo Rabbit, Mm. which is the new film from uh, Taika Waititi, um, which is very much a a kind of um, irreverent comedy about racism, about hate, about dogma. It's... um, Taika Waititi is in it, plays a kind of imaginary version of Adolf Hitler, okay. um, and it's one of the most surprising imaginative films I've seen all year. I think, you know, people who know Taika Waititi's work will be familiar with with how playful and how clever he is in mm. his filmmaking, and again, this is one that does all of that, but has such emotional depth to it. It was yeah. another one that had me a, a kind of emotional mess by the yeah. end.
3: And that just won the People's Choice at Toronto, didn't it? It did, yeah. Which is giving it a little extra layer of sort of anticipation.
2: Um, and then I'll just give give one more shout-out yeah, to um, uh, Emma, which is our festival oh, yeah. gala. So this is the new film f- from uh, Pablo Larraín, yeah. And he has made um, he made a few films with uh, uh, um, Gail Garcia Bernal. Mm-hmm. So he made No, which was quite a big success in the UK, and um, then Naruda and Jackie, the mm. um, Jackie Onassis biopic with uh, Natalie Portman. This film is uh, basically uh, the story of... Um, a couple a dancer and a choreographer and they've gone through an adoption and it's turned out very badly and they've actually given the child back mm-hmm. and so we start from this point and then uh, the the woman who's a dancer she basically it's about her trying to put things right but she's this incredibly magnetic uh, seductive mm-hmm. Uh, just fascinating character and the dance is very much um, central to the film so um, uh, Gail Garcia Bernalb is a choreographer and works in a kind of almost like a contemporary art context so you've got these incredible visual scenes of them dancing against something that looks like an, uh, a, li- a life Oh, what's his name, a li- Olafar Eliasson, um, you know, Tate Modern yeah. kind okay. of son. Um, uh, and then she's very much into street dancing and reggaeton. And the film has this energy which is just uh totally infectious so every time in the office when we've been getting a little bit stressed out um we've been putting on the trailer okay. and just like feeling reinvigorated yeah. about this um yeah really electrifying film so emma i would say is one okay. to, I'm looking forward to, to, to check
3: actually a new Pebble of Rain. i find this works for really interesting um so then what are the films that people know less about going to the festival the ones that you know the smaller ones the ones that you think people are going to really discover uh, at LFF this year sure we've got loads of
0: films in our official competition um, which I think are real discovery films films by filmmakers who audiences might not be quite so familiar with Um, films that are a bit more uh, a bit more kind of maybe low-key in, in in how you might first assume them to be but we've got some really exciting stuff we've got um the world premiere of the latest film from thomas clay which mm-hmm. is called fanny lie delivered um thomas clay was uh made a kind of controversial um, entrance into the film scene a decade or so ago with um the great executive robert carmichael uh, made a film called soy cowboy a few years after that and this new one is um a, a period film set in the 1600s with Maxine Peake as a as a, a wife living on a farm who basically has an epiphany about her life mm-hmm. and realizes the kind of um oppressive structures in which she's uh, she's um living in it's a really exciting dynamic film very much not your typical period drama mm-hmm. it's very much a kind of a rebellious morality tale if anything and that's one that's really exciting and another very exciting um, British film that we have in official competition is a debut by a filmmaker called Rose Glass mm. the film's called Saint Maud Saint Maud Saint Maud. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's about a young nurse who becomes a carer for a um, a Artist who is suffering from a debilitating illness right. and their relationship and it becomes increasingly clear that saint maud's intentions are um slightly um what's the word kate what are her intentions
2: she wants to save our, her patient's soul
0: she does she wants to save our patient's soul and i think what you have is a really interesting what begins is really interesting kind of chamber piece becomes almost a quite baroque kind of mm. gothic tale laced in kind of horror and religious imagery it's really really extraordinary it's one of the films that i knew nothing about this year before i saw it and it took me completely by surprise and i think audiences will love it great mm.
2: And on Fanny Lie Delivered, we're screening that on 35mm, which is quite exciting. It's one of the few kind of yeah. contemporary films um, that we're screening, screening on film. Um, another one in competition, um, which we're world premiering, is Rose Place Julie. So this is from Christine Malloy and Joe Lawler, who sometimes go under the name Desperate Optimists. And they have been making really fascinating features for some time and shorts, often um, with quite blurry kind of fiction, non-fiction mm. kind of hybrid elements and a sense of re and this one is um a young woman at a veterinary school and she's been adopted and decides mm-hmm. to go and find uh, her mother but then um it doesn't necessarily go well and uh it's a film that really plays with uh, genre expectations yep. as to to where it's going it's, it's incredibly claustrophobic there's some beautiful architecture and the way that um Uh, the way that our lead kind of is quite ambiguous as to her intentions and to why she's doing stuff and her responses to things it's a really um, kind of creepy and quite exciting uh, uh, film so yeah Rose Plays Julie I think is one to definitely want to watch as well
3: okay great And you guys mentioned earlier that the process of programming the festival is like one person will see something and bring it to the team. So I'm wondering what other films that you both saw and that you really sort of championed and really pushed the team that you really wanted to get in there to sort of almost fight for in a way?
2: Uh, Well, one one film that – one thing that we can do with the festival, which uh, you don't get to do year-round because of the scale of the festival, is um, sometimes to play things big. So, we have access to the BFI IMAX, which is – uh, you know, obviously it shows IMAX films kind of uh, year-round, but we always try to put in something that would never necessarily be in there. And this year um, we're screening Fire Will Come, okay. which is a film uh, by Oliver Lax, who made another film called Mimosas a few years ago. And in fact, it was also acting in our uh, special presentation, our experimenter special presentation, Crabby 2562. Mm-hmm. And it's a film that played in Cannes and... The the concept is very simple. Um, A guy returns from prison to the Galician um, countryside. Mm -hmm. Uh, We think that he's been responsible for uh, some pyromania and um we're, but we're quite uncertain as to um whether he actually did it or not and it's a film very much about uh, landscape and again i suppose i just really like ambiguous films where you don't know where they're going um but it's one where um there's a this kind of interesting uh sense of dread but also of um a really awesome sense of nature mm. Um, Yeah, and I think that's gonna look so incredible on such a big screen. So that's an exciting thing that I can't wait to see it on that scale. Incredible.
0: And I think going from, you know, big scale IMAX extravaganzas Um, a a very kind of small film that was one that I really championed and really wanted to have in the festival is a film called The El Duce Tapes Mm -hmm. um, which is a documentary um, co-directed by Rodney Asher who made Room 237 and The Nightmare so you know he has a bit of a kind of established reputation amongst film fans but this one is a really interesting film about um El Duce, who was the singer of a kind of Seattle DIY punk band in the late 80s and early 90s called The Mentors, and they were kind of a grossly offensive, Mm. shock rock punk band. And um, El Duce was their kind of notorious, objectionable frontman. And the film is compiled up of just hours and hours and hours of VHS footage Mm. that was shot of El Duce at the time, and is kind of pieced together to tell the story of this Kind of punk provocateur and kind of asks whether or not he was this kind of incendiary, awful man that he pretended to be, or if actually what he was doing was an active kind of political subversion mm. um, it doesn't necessarily set out to answer that question but I think it poses lots of really interesting ideas and um, and it's really beautiful to see this old archive VHS footage up on the big screen because I program the cult strand like I mentioned yeah. earlier and I have such a love of, of horror and genre yeah. cinema so for me there's always a kind of conversation to be had amongst the team about horror movies and kind of right. genre work that we show and I'm the big champion of that work and so for me it's really important to find other programmers and people that we work with who share that enthusiasm with me and can talk about these kind of films and stuff. So I think, um, you know, there's lots of work in this year's cult strand that I'm super excited about. Um, There's a film called Adoration, which is the new film from from, uh, Fabrice de Wells, who made Mm Calvaire and he made Alleluia. You know, he's um, made a few quite controversial kind of extreme horror genre movies. And this new one from him is kind of fits into that but actually is going in a slightly different direction it's a more kind of fairy tale more subtle approach um it's kind of taking the lovers on the run thing you know like obsessive destructive romance mm. like Body and Clyde or Natural Born Killers but telling it through the eyes of two young kids they're okay. kind of t- 11 12 year olds um it's a really beautiful film really elegant but disturbing filmmaking yeah. and it's a film that I'm super excited about mm.
2: I think um the use of genre aspects has been something that everyone's been talking about this year like across the board okay. in terms of people like uh, Bertrand Bonello with Zombie Child yeah. or um, Baccarat which is um our dare gala um and is a really thrilling kind of uh, mash-up of all sorts of genres right. um and then there's things like um uh, Atlantics, which mm. is the matty Diop film in first feature competition, which it, many people might know um, matty Diop as an actress. She's collaborated a lot with Claire Denis mm. in Thirty Five Shots of Rum and uh, with Matias Pinheiro, and this is her debut feature. Although she's made some really interesting uh, shorts, she's been making shorts for a while, um, and this is uh, set in Senegal. It's a it's a young woman who's um, kind of beloved uh disappears one day with the rest of his friends they they get on a boat to go away and so she's been left behind and having to deal with this waiting Mm. and the film uh it starts off well it kind of it's a real mix of kind of genres so you have this kind of romantic thing but then it becomes a lot more um almost supernatural Mm. and uh something does return okay and uh then it gets kind of super kind of interesting so i think that's another one where we're seeing filmmakers who are either telling very personal or very political mm. stories, but using lots of kind of genre tropes to um, to explore them. Okay, cool. In terms of crowd pleasers, I think um, comedy is... Uh, the Laugh Strand is often one of the hardest for us to program because obviously with all the strands, we want to be as international as possible. Yeah. And comedy sometimes travels across um, nations and sometimes yeah. it's very kind of particular. Yeah. But our Laugh Gala this year is... Um, it's just so much fun so it's um a korean film called the dude in me and oh, it's yeah this
3: is the body swap
2: absolutely yeah. so we've got a um a kind of hardened gangster who's kind of in his 40s very uh, kind of foul mouthed, won't let anything kind of uh stop him from like building his empire and then, after a, a kind of strange trip to a ramen shop, he has an accident and wakes up in hospital in the body of a teenage boy. So, um, what's really great about this is that the the guy who plays the um, teenager Jin Young, he's quite a famous kind of K-pop uh, star as well. He manages to be both uh, a teenager and middle-aged gangster simultaneously where you can't see the joins and it's really funny incredible timing and they make such inventive use of the um of the genre i mean it's a it's a genre that's worked for many years across many films but this is something that i really think in embankment Garden cinema having 800 people all laughing <laughs> together is going to be amazing
0: And I mentioned before that I programmed for BFI Flair, so I feel like I'd be remiss if I wasn't talking about a few of the kind of queer films that we have in the festival. And and a couple that I really love and would want to make a a quick shout out for, um, there's one called Two of Us, which is um, a French film about the... It's a kind of love story between two older women Mm -hmm. um, whose lives are kind of torn apart by illness. Mm. And it's a really beautiful smart moving piece of filmmaking and i think what it does so beautifully is crosses that balance between being a weepy something that's going to have you absolutely floored by the end but being really intelligent and really smart and very thoughtful it's not emotionally manipulative in the way that it that it accesses the emotions um, of the characters and of the audiences and it's a really really beautiful piece of filmmaking and on the reverse of that from from older lesbians to young gay men we have this is not berlin which is uh, the story of a young man who discovers the underground club scene in Mexico City in the 1980s um it's a really fast paced energetic film about the possibilities of youth and the possibilities of how art and music can open your mind and change your life and you know shape your identity
3: when sure. you're a young person great and finally guys, I wanted to quickly ask you about LFF's place in the kind of cinematic calendar, like where you think, what sort of role you think the festival has in the kind of the film year? Cause it comes at kind of sort of towards the end of festival season just before awards season. Like. <laughs>
2: We're in a beautiful place in the calendar yeah. because, yeah, we can pick and choose from yeah. basically all the film festivals from the year. We start our journey at kind of Sundance and Berlin and Rotterdam, yeah. and then we can kind of pick all the way through. So it's, it's, it's really lovely to be able to, to see and choose films and, and kind of have... Some of the best films of the year but increasingly we're we're showing films that are very fresh so we have a lot of world premieres a lot of european premieres and it's great in terms of the films that just got buzzed now Mm -hmm. coming out of um venice and toronto Um, and then to be able to launch films is really key as well i suppose an important thing to say is that you know most of the films when we select them do not have any uk distributor so for many people it'll be the the only chance to see them and for a lot of those films if they get good response then there's yeah. more chance they'll get picked up by a distributor so that's a really key thing and i think i think in terms of audiences um premiere status is often not the top top thing in their mind it's just they want right. the films to be good yeah. um and what's maybe i think we have maybe hinted at this already but this year we have an exceptional number of first and second time features. It's a really fresh selection and it means that people to some extent will have to be a bit bold in their choices because it'll be by filmmakers they don't know, but we really feel that um, those are risks worth taking because it's like there's a there's a new generation that's coming through of, of filmmakers and obviously we've got established talent as well, but um, yeah, I think it's, it's a great time to be looking at international cinema as it's kind of more diverse and and yeah just going to more interesting bold places Mm. great
3: Michael Blythe Kate Taylor thank you very much for your time Thanks for having thank us. you. Cheers. Okay, thank you very much, Kate Taylor and Michael Blythe for coming on the show, always a pleasure and really interesting to see how the uh, the festival works from the other side of it and if you uh, manage to get to anything at the London Film Festival this year and want to tell us some of your highlights, uh, you can do so on Twitter where we are at Curzon Cinemas or on email where we are podcast at curzon.com and when we do our London Film Festival Roundup show we'll read out some of those on the air uh, and if you want to keep up with what we're watching at the London Film Festival you can find us on Letterboxd Yeah. where you are
4: I'm there uh, under Kelly P triple E
3: and I'm there at S underscore Howlett so thank you very much for listening please remember to rate review and subscribe if you enjoyed the show and we are available every week on iTunes Acast or wherever you listen to your regular podcasts it's goodbye from Kelly goodbye and goodbye from me thank you very much for listening